0: Welcome to the Kingdom Casts Podcast for July 31st, 2019. Albert and I discuss the newly released comics for the week and a couple of items of interest for the comic book fan community. In addition, Albert also gives out important fire safety tips and we contrast and compare Conan the Barbarian's home with Walker County. Sit back and enjoy. Be aware are spoilers throughout. I'm Stan Daniel and with me as always... Is Albert Marsh? So, Albert, yeah, I'm here.
1: You doing okay tonight? Just lovely, thank you. That's, good. that's good. On... <laughs> in game is out on. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I suppose I. Good. The woods good. caught on fire by my house. That's That's all right. How'd they catch on fire? My dad did it. We ain't blaming it on him yet. So.
0: Well, what what fire are we talking about? Are we talking about hose pipe fire? Are we talking about fire extinguisher fire? Are we talking about Walker County Fire Department?
1: (laughs) No, not Walker County. Uh, Morris. Yeah, we had to get get the fire department out here like at 530 in the morning to put it out. Well, did he
0: successfully get rid of all the evidence?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, I mean... I mean, whatever evidence he was burning. Half that brush is still out there. He could have bitched it off, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was about to say that Endgame is now streaming as of Tuesday, and I've got a question for you. Who do you think in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who do you think is the strongest Avenger? Ant-Man. Okay. And that's your personal opinion, right? Yeah. And you can certainly enforce that. I mean, I can see where you would think it was Ant-Man. But according to Feige, who do you think he says is the strongest Avenger? Oh, if, he's, if it's him, it's probably Wanda. Dang, you got that right out of the box. What makes you say that? What, what was your reason for guessing that?
1: Because I read some interview where he said it was Wanda. <laughs> Apparently the same
0: interview I read <laughs> right before we started the podcast. Well, Phase 4 looks like it's going to be wanda Did you hear that Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, before Carol Danvers took on the mantle and current... She currently, in Marvel comic book continuity, goes by the name Photon. She was introduced in the Captain Marvel movie as the little girl who was Carol Danvers' flight partner's daughter. Did you hear that she was going to show up as a grown woman in WandaVision? No, I didn't hear that. Okay, apparently she's going to show up in WandaVision before, way before Captain Marvel 2. Just as a sort of, just as sort of a side note that that's leaked out, you know, Wanda is in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie that's been scheduled. We talked about that on the uh, special, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con special. Wanda's in that, and there's a pretty good chance that since Monica Rambeau's in WandaVision, it wouldn't take much to have her leap to the Doctor Strange movie as well, Which, and here's a hot tip, go out right now, everybody, dig through those dollar bins and find the Doctor Strange run from the 1980s. Issue number 60, I believe, it's got Scarlet Witch, Photon, then Captain Marvel, and Doctor Strange on the cover together. I'd imagine that would jump a little bit, don't you? Or do you think it doesn't affect it whatsoever, if that's the case?
1: Yeah, it'll probably jump for like a week or two here and there. Well, there you go.
0: So, yeah, I, I would highly recommend that. Other than that, do you have any opinion on Wanda whatsoever? I mean, not really. I have nothing against Brie Larson, but every chance she gets, she screams Captain Marvel's more powerful than Thor In Endgame, it was Wanda that really put Thanos on his toes. Yeah, I've been a fan of Elizabeth Olsen playing Wanda ever since she first showed up.
1: Yeah, she's done a great job, and they've done a real good—I didn't care for how she was in Age of Ultron— But I didn't like that movie anyway. But outside of that, her acting and the character in general, I've really enjoyed. I have too.
0: She is really a gifted actress. If you've seen some of the low-budget stuff she's done, she is easily undercast for this role and not getting enough attention. I'm glad it looks like they are focusing more on her while she's in the limelight right now. Instead of letting it kind of slip through their fingers like they did with the Scarlet Joe as Black Widow and not getting movie until after the character has died in present continuity or present cinematic continuity. We both kind of like Wanda. Just a, a side real quick, as of tonight or as of today, writer Alyssa Wong, who works for Marvel, there's some faults tweets going around the internet about stuff she said about stan lee she denies it not only does she deny it there's no history of this whatsoever in any archive in any twitter archive or anything else and no she couldn't have washed it completely from the internet so anything you're reading about Alyssa wong saying something about stan lee or bashing marvel while she's working for marvel or before she began working for marvel appears to be completely
1: false anything you want to add to that not really I mean, it's just more dumb crap by idiots, so.
0: Well, that's what I think. I didn't fully realize that she was on, what was that book we reviewed, Arrow? And I didn't care for Arrow, A-E-R-O. But I didn't care for it just because of the storytelling and the setup. It didn't grab me. If you don't like a work, this is no reason to attack this person whatsoever, especially lies. That's always cheap, just poor sportsmanship, for lack of a better term.
1: And you also have to look at it like this. Do you think if anyone... Especially at the time, someone that was a completely unknown had ever said anything remotely bad about not just Stan Lee, but any of the known writers or artists that worked at Marvel. Anyone, you think Marvel would hire that person ever? No, no, no.
0: And also, if she had tweeted that, she would have been well-known enough that this would have been across Newsarama. This would have been across CBR. This, in some aspects, make national news. Remember that crappy comedian he got his start in Amazon women in the avocado jungle of death. He couldn't find an audience anywhere and finally he's on pay-per-view where I don't think many people watch Bill Maher, right? It's got an HBO show. That's paper. Well, you're paying for HBO. Did you say you watch him?
1: No, I don't watch him. I don't watch any okay. political television.
0: I try to steer away from it. I prefer I prefer to read when people are yelling about politics. Remember back when Stan died, he made that statement. We had customers coming in the store asking me, what do you think about what Bill Maher said about Stan Lee because he besmirched Stan Lee as death in comic books? And my reply to the customers were, let me ask you a question before I answer yours. When was the last time the name Bill Maher left your mouth, entered your mind or anything else before this situation? Yeah, the answer was... Oh, never, or not recently, or not in years, and I said, well, there you go. That's why Bill Maher said it. In the case of Alyssa Wong, there's no evidence to this whatsoever, and it's just tacky. Somebody takes time to forge something like that and put it out. It's just trying to start crap. Yeah,
1: that's my view on it.
0: Okay, let's get to this week's comics. Again, we're going to have spoilers. We're talking about comics released this week, the week of July 31st, 2019, Start us off, Albert. What'd you read? What stood out to you? We'll get to Powers of X at the end.
1: Yeah, we'll go ahead and cover the two Star Wars books that hit this week.
0: All right. What'd you think? I'm asking you, rather than starting it off myself, because I am heavily into Star Wars. You're not nearly as heavily into Star Wars. And I want to know what's your take on somebody that's not as far into the mythology of Star Wars as I am. And if this is either of these books are appealing to you.
1: Galaxy Edge number four, it's, it's okay. I don't care too much for Dr. Aphra anyway. It's fine for what it is. It's just there sort of like, here's some lore for the theme park, for the most part.
0: I said before that, you know, make no bones about it. This is an advertisement for the Galaxy's Edge, Black Spire Outpost theme park at Disneyland and Disney World. I mean, you got to go into this knowing that. But they're just connecting it to the characters and the mythology.
1: Nothing stood out about it to you? Nah, not really. And then I read uh, the Star Wars Age of Resistance one shot. The Poe story and the team up between Maz, Chewie, and Han was good. You yeah. know, th- those are two different stories. The, the do story was pretty stupid and bad. I thought the Holdo story was serviceable. The
0: Holdo story was largely forgettable. It was a nice filler for like four pages, five pages, whatever it took up. My main complaint about it is she kept saying, ready the Ion cannons, and the way the artist drew it, they were firing their turrets and not the Ion cannons. Uh, the ion cannons don't discharge in red uh, plasma beams like that. The ion cannon sends a electrical discharge that hits and goes across. As we saw in Empire Strike Back, I really liked the BB-8 and Poe story.
1: Yeah, that was good. I never cared for BB-8. I liked them in this one, but I like uh, when they, in the comic books when they do droid stories. I always sort of really like the droid stories.
0: Yeah there's something point blank going on with the droids in the Star Wars universe about them more and more having minds or a consciousness of their own and acting of their own accord because yeah hell BB-8 destroys a whole outpost in this yeah R2 kills other droids interferes to a large extent but uh yeah BB-8 point blank ran through the First Order outpost planning mine charges Throughout, and uh, he and the other droids blew it up. Back to the first one you mentioned with Han and Chewy. I want more Maz and Chewy stories.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that one. Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be a good thing to cover.
0: Yeah, because clearly Maz and Chewy have background together and all. I, I'd really like to see more of that. And also, I did an internet search at the end of the Maz Katana and Chewbacca and Han Solo story. That does not appear to be a Sith mask in current continuity. It's definitely not Momans, Lord Momins from the last Darth Vader run, and it's definitely not Darth Revan's. Did you have any guess, or do you care? Did your curiosity take you that far? Not in the least bit. Okay, and one more thing about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Dr. Aphra does guest star. They reaffirm that Moraband slash Koraband is reaffirmed in the current continuity as the Sith homeworld. It's currently called Moraband. In ancient times, in current canon, it was called Korriban, so they did verify that again tying it even closer to the Star Wars universe, Star Wars reality. So basically, you'd say, kind of like I said before, if you're a big Star Wars fan, both of these books should be for you. If you don't care that much about Star Wars, there's nothing in either of these books that are going to change your mind. If you can't afford to go to
1: the theme park, you can buy this comic. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. and it's like that, except with more Disney employees. (laughs) (sighs) All right, well, that's the
1: Star Wars books. Where else you want to go? I read Death's Head number one.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about Death's Head number one. I read it, too.
1: Written by tinny Howard and art by Kay Zama. Yeah. Uh, Are you a big Death's Head fan? Were you before this? Yes and no. Like, I'm not too hung up on him too bad. Uh, yeah. Like, when he shows up in the books, I like reading them. Mm-hmm. But that that's, that's about it. I always thought the first Death's Head had a really cool character design. Every so often... When they use them, I'll read them, and that's about as much as I sort of like reading them. Not a constant thing, or or I'm a big fan of it or anything. He's just a cool character that when he shows up, I like him.
0: Okay. I'm give or take on him. I don't go out of my way to read him. Being as familiar with him as I am, I would not necessarily have picked this up to read, if not for the podcast. He's consistent throughout this book. So basically, I would assume if you like Death's Head, pretty good book. Would I be writing that?
1: Yeah, and also seems like they're setting him up to maybe to use him or a, a different version of him because the plot is that, like he's got a bounty on his head so he gets dumped on Earth. By the current Marvel Comics universe, Yondu, who is
0: pulled basically right out of the Guardians movie and tossed into the comic book universe, yeah. we assume he's a distant past relative of the 31st century Yondu in the original Guardians of the Galaxy comic run.
1: Yeah, Death's Head had a encounter with him. Then, like he gets dumped on Earth, and uh, Wiccan and Hulkling find him. And turns out Wiccan has like some other body of a Death's Head underneath a mattress. That's sort of where it ended. Yeah, Wiccan was looking in like different realities or different times or futures about what would happen when this death's head shows up. And then all of a sudden he's got two death's heads in his house and we don't know where the second one came from. They'll explain that next issue. It's a good, good issue one. I enjoyed it and I'll keep reading it.
0: I was interested enough in it, and Wiccan is now called Demiurge. I don't know when that happened or if there was some copyright over calling him Wiccan or whatever. Wiccan, but I, I, I
1: would imagine, like, they could call him Wiccan. Yeah. But based on that being 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 that being the, just the name Wiccan, I don't think it's, like, horribly marketable. Yeah, like probably. Something, the name Wiccan, they can't own like that, so they made up something else, probably.
0: Well, yeah, I can go with that. I was also, when they popped up in the book, I was thinking, well, when was the last time I saw them other than, like, in the background? of something. I did make a note that if Demiurge slash Wiccan knows about Deathhead by reading Avengers files, which she specifically states, there's no excuse for people complaining anymore about any Avenger, Fantastic Four, X-Men member, or any of their little subsidiary groups that they'd be sharing information with knowing about people they've never met on panel. So everybody can let that one go. The Avengers clearly have database enough to cover Death's Head. Therefore, if Cloak from Cloak and Dagger has never met Turner D. Century and they act like they know each other or know about each other on the page of the comic book. Just assume it's in the Avengers Files. <laughs> Apparently that bothers only me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I, was, I didn't care crap. I was <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Death
1: I'll take one then. Did you read Green Lantern Annual? Yeah, I read Green Lantern Annual number one i guess i don't i forgot how they numbered this one
0: it doesn't matter when the annuals come out it should be the year you know i don't don't know why they they don't
1: do that there's like 15 annual number ones for half of marvels and dc books
0: exactly i i don't think anybody cares if you just mark it with the year and go morrison wrote this uh i've got a couple of questions for you real quick yeah first off these little electrical creatures that are the protagonist and and antagonists of this book. They kinda look like Sonic the Hedgehog in lightning form. Is he
1: pulling something from an old Flash comic book? He's pulling it from him and Mark Miller's Flash. Oh, is he? I don't know if they existed before this, but him and Miller wrote this same not Sonic the Hedgehog thing in, in his Flash run. Okay, cause I
0: thought that was surreal. It's I swear I read it, it felt like Flash and I kept thinking I've seen it. and then that kid, Hal Jordan's nephew, who has some sort of radio-based power, radio-wave-based power, shows up in what looks like a cross between the Flash uniform and an x men an original x men uniform.
1: Yeah, it looks like he hasn't got a costume update in about 20 years, what it looks like.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this was a little weak. I like Morrison's current run on Green Lantern. There was a couple of points to this, but my other question was, how many times does Hal lie unconscious in bathtubs?
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's probably a common occurrence with him. Yeah,
0: I mean, didn't his ring seek out Guy Gardner because of that? And I'm fairly certain that there's been at least one other time where he slipped in the bathtub in the shower and knocked himself unconscious. And rather than the ring doing anything, when it was summoned, it just flew off and found Jon Stewart to go on whatever adventure it was being summoned to, because screw Hal. Yeah, I don't know what it is with Hal in bathtubs. And I'm wondering if that was kind of an inside Morrison joke, too.
1: It could have been. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, but so. it, was, it, it was fine. It was like just sort of a, I mean, the art wasn't really anything at all. In fact, the art was sort of bad. Yeah. But story-wise and writing-wise, it was, it was an okay little throwaway issue. Just whatever. It really doesn't matter to anything. I Me
0: mean, reading the Green Lantern run, I didn't necessarily find the annual worth the extra money, and there's nothing that's going to tie into the Green Lantern run. And honestly, You don't know that. I I really don't. I mean, I, I was wondering all the way through it. Are we being lectured on something? Are we being lectured on cell phone usage? Yeah. Uncovered power outlets, and then it didn't really look like we were being lectured on anything, which made it even more confusing to me.
1: No, that's uh, be a lecture on cell phones. Well,
0: yeah, but what was the moral of the story? Oh no, because how pretty point blank just kind of dismissed the whole thing out of hand. Don't read too much into this. Just go on. Morrison had to do a GL annual. It was in his contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Outside of that, did you read anything outside of Marvel and DC this week?
1: I read Man or Black number one by Colin Bunn. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Colin Bunn's got that one out from Dark Horse and he's got Night's Temporal out from Aftershock. Colin Bunn's having a
1: pretty good week so far. What'd you think of Manor Black? It's fine. It's not even a complete setup for the story. Like, you don't really know what's going on yet. Yeah. Like, you sort of know who the main character is by the end of issue one, and that's about it. It's just apparently some guy. He's into some black magic, him and his family members. They lived to, to be like 200 or something like that. Yeah. But once they get to the end of their lifespan, they have to pass that on to someone else. So instead of choosing one of his kids, there was this car wreck with these people where they were getting chased by these supernatural powered people trying to kill them. And so he passed it to that person. It's like one of those things where the entirety of the first arc would be the setup for the whole thing, it was what it looks like.
0: Yeah, I can see that too. I thought it started well. The coloring was bland. Fine. The art was enough to tell the story It had me all the way up until the superpowered people showed up. I mean, the entity that was chasing the van and caused the van to wreck, I was willing to accept him or it or whatever has supernatural, has something connected more with the supernatural than the three that showed up at the end of the story that looked like they were mutants you know yeah, I from did. the other yeah, those I,
1: that's the one thing i didn't like was those like everything else was good and i liked it for the most part yeah. but those three people that was just one thing too many yeah so far so who knows maybe it all fit together better i don't i'm not too sure on that
0: Kind of half and half on whether or not to pick up number two. I, again, I like the whole thing all the way up to the three superpowered people showed up at the end. That was kind of like tossing cold water on me. Yeah, I probably read issue number two, but I'm I'm not sure. I I think the ending kind of messed this up for me. I may I may skip it altogether. Yeah. I keep thinking I'm going to pick it up, but yeah. You know, either way, did you read Fantastic Four? I've got a question about Fantastic Four number twelve. Did you read it? I did. First off, this is Dan Slot writing it. Ben Grimm, the Thing, and his wife, Alicia, are going on their honeymoon finally at the same time that it coincides that Ben Grimm loses his Thing form and again becomes human for, I think, a week or so. This happens once a year. I thought it was 24 hours. I can't remember. Was it 24? Maybe uh, I, I they think, changed it. I think Reed's countdown was for 24 hours. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he gets, I, it seems like he's got a full week as Ben for some reason. I, at least I think so. I'll, I'll have to look that up and correct myself later if, if that was wrong. I thought the little snippet that Ben delivered to Johnny, Johnny and Reed and Sue were seeing them off, and as Ben and Alicia were about to pull away in the Fantasticar. Johnny says, Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And Ben shoots back by saying, like what? Marry a scroll? Which I thought yeah. was I thought that crack was great. Listen, if it wasn't for the fact that this guest starred and labeled him as the Immortal Hulk, if it wasn't for the fact that the Immortal Hulk would not lend himself to this story the way he currently is i'd i'd be okay with it it'd just be another thing versus hulk fun fight situation but any joy for me in the story is sucked away if you're reading immortal hulk which apparently dan slot the writer of fantastic four isn't
1: no no it's a puppet it ain't it ain't the real hulk
0: now wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute it's a puppet it's not the real hulk i thought
1: he controlled the real individuals through his puppets Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, 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 that's how he works. I don't... Yeah, it doesn't jive, but maybe they'll just write a footnote somewhere.
0: Yeah, and let me clarify this. The main villain is the Puppet Master. He's manipulating a Hulk puppet to make it attack the thing. Not just attack him, but this time he's going to kill him. The way the artist draws the Hulk, the way the Hulk is speaking he's speaking with puppet master's voice but the way he looks and the label on the front of the fantastic four book says immortal hulk and if you're reading the immortal hulk run this does not this doesn't jive this doesn't fit no it doesn't It, it just doesn't work and i honestly think that common courtesy should kind of be allowed between the writers I mean, there's too many other people you could have substituted in The Hulk's Place for this that would have gotten just as many new reads or more people to pick up the book, Juggernaut being one of them. I mean, please borrow Juggernaut because none of us understand X-Men continuity at this point. And Juggernaut is more than likely a free agent. And I'd much rather see a a Juggernaut-thing pairing than I would want them to ruin the character
1: development that's going on in Immortal Hulk. And I also had an issue with problem with this, it's mostly just th- this story does not need to be more than one issue.
0: Yeah, he's turned it into at least two.
1: I was like, yeah, hey, whatever. I, I mean, I've enjoyed Fantastic Four, and I'll keep reading it. There's no, when you read this book, there's no need for this, this arc to be more than one issue, or like an annual at most.
0: I agree. And on a side note, I have always hated and continue to hate the Puppet Master. This is a villain that I thought the Marvel Universe could long do without. If he's that powerful, why hasn't he ever triumphed? We can make that argument over and over again. But dang, Magneto really has an uphill row to hoe here, as opposed to Puppet Master. He's not facing down. He, people never see him coming, the Puppet Master. And I just, I hate the design. I hate the concept. I've yeah. just never liked that character. And that's just a personal thing. In addition to that, I also read Conan, number eight. Did you? I did. I liked it. I thought it was a nice little one-off issue story. It did amaze me the correlations that exist between Samaria and Walker County, especially the grandmom situation. And the snakes coming out of people's heads. (laughs) And the snakes coming out of people's heads. I'm not a huge Conan fan. It's not something I'd necessarily read, but this is personal taste. I've never cared for Conan the Barbarian. I'm reading him because Jason Aaron's on him. This was a little break from the other issues, and it was a nice little break. It's something that could have easily stood as an annual or something along those
1: lines. Yeah, I mean, it's just a simple, like, Conan goes home and all the villages taken over. It's it's just a real simple throwaway story. Nothing too major. I enjoyed it. had real good art.
0: I legitimately thought that about Samaria and where Jason Aaron's from and the relationship of family and the neighbors. You can tell where he gets some of his influence. Not all of it, but some of it. And yeah, that's a good thing. You know, he's... He's a good ar- he's a good writer. Did you have a chance to read The Last Space Race from Aftershock issue number 5
1: came out this week? I did. I don't know. I don't I'm sort of 50/50 on it. It's okay, I suppose.
0: And it's written by Peter Callaway and the art's by Alex Shaboah. The one word that I kept coming out and I've read the entire series, the one word I kept coming away from with it was smart. The dialogue is smart. Everything they talk about makes sense. So far as the way the government would handle this, the uh, order in which they proceed, basically the plot line is a starship has cut through the solar system and the United States, we're watching it from the perspective of the United States, and the United States is building a ship to go out and greet it and encounter it. And rather than come together like humanity does in every science fiction movie, when the aliens show up, they instead are all doing their individual programs and trying to sabotage one another. And basically, the focus of the main character in this is basically an Elon Musk ripoff with a couple of layers added to him. But he's he's a good character. He's not just a carbon copy of Elon Musk. They just use that as the basis and go from there. Again, this is the second book involving space in as many weeks that use tardigrades in it. Tardigrades are getting wonderful representation in comic books these days. They must have a very good agent. Yes. (laughs) Look, for $2 an issue, I do recommend it. I highly recommend it. Uh, I think it's a pretty good series. Well, I was sort of
1: joking. I can yeah. I mean the Lord. I don't give a crap if there's cussing in a book or not.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Well, sometimes I mean, it's, it's just to... like, the writer's just like, put. I need to put the F word there. I, I, I can't figure out what to do. I think Aftershock's trying to get a mature rep. I noticed cursing in a lot of their books. It, six one half dozen the other. It's a good story. It, it actually would have been a serviceable screenplay. I could see this being punched up a bit for a movie. Also from Aftershock. Again, Colin Bunn, who we mentioned earlier, is having a really good week. Night's Temporal. Did you read that? No, that one I did not get to. Basically, what I walked away from it is there's a character named Jane Fool, and I thought, hey, that's a cool name in an industry that cool names are hard to come up with. The artist in it is Fran Gallen. His art takes a lot of cues from Chris Boccolo with a little bit of Sinkovich thrown into it it's not a bad thing necessarily the first issue sets you up with a lot of questions gives no answers in order to get you to pick up issue number two if you've got a spare dollar 99 this week probably give it a read it's not a must read i think it hooked me more than manor black did i think
1: that's where i saw the ad for this ad
0: yeah manor black manor black is from dark horse
1: because I, I saw it, because I read, that was like one of the last things I read, and I was like, I saw that saw that by Colin Budd as an ad. I was like, I'll read it. And the next day or two, I'll, I'll read it simply because it's Colin Budd, and usually Colin's a good writer.
0: I'm curious enough about Knights Templar that I'm definitely going to go out of my re- way to read the second issue.
1: Did you read uh, Batman Last Night, number two? Oh, no, I did not. I didn't even, ah, no, I didn't even know that came out. I read Batman Secret Files. Uh, we'll talk about Secret Files, too, but Last Night, too, it's. You get how they sort of explain where everything went bad. Luther shows up and he's sort of like, well, here's what happened. I'm real iffy on on Snyder's writing. Yeah. But but so far, this could be the best thing he's written for Batman once it's all said and done. The dynamic yeah. between Batman and and Joker, the Joker head jar thing, is really good. We've mentioned this before, but like when a writer's on a character yeah. for, for so long, eventually every writer's going to write a future story. Oh yeah, as a as a the a lot of times they use it as a the end to capture runoff. And Peter David, what, but everyone does it. Lord, X Men Powers of X does does this crap. It's a fantastic book. I can't recommend it enough. It's got wonderful writing. Pulo does great work on it. If you ever read Old Man Logan Mm -hmm. and really like that, it's the Batman equivalent of it. It's where it amounts to.
0: See, I've been anxiously awaiting that, and that one snuck right past me. I didn't get to that, but I'm going to as soon as I can this week. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that. I don't doubt anything you're saying. It's it's a fun read. It's a good read. It doesn't break away in the middle of it to tell you a story somebody's grandfather told them 200 years ago and utilize 17 pages, unless issue number two does that, does it?
1: Nothing I'm aware of. Okay.
0: Now, I did read Batman's Secret Files, too, and you did as well, right? Yeah. I just kind of broke it down into parts. The first one, the Joker wants to know who Batman is. The Joker doesn't want to know who Batman is. This is kind of like, make up your mind, editorial, and I know the response to that is going to be, well, there's three jokers and that'll be explained down the line it's a cute joker story it's kind of funny it strikes me as much more a situation from batman the animated series than it does the serious cut your face off kill robin joker from the comic book universe
1: yeah this yeah this is yeah that's a good way to describe it It, this would if this was in the old animated series that's exactly what fit perfectly in that pretty much it's Joker caught Batman, is hanging upside down, and every time he messes with his costume to try to do something, Batman suits defenses kick in and and mess up Joker. It's just sort of that, and I sort of liked it. I thought it was a good story.
0: Yeah, it's a funny gag, and all of it would have worked completely inside of the animated series continuity. Us being told that Batman Secret Files 2 is giving us the goods on the main villains that are in Bane taking over Gotham City and the Batman standard series. We need to straighten this Joker thing out soon. As soon as Doomsday clock ends, Jeff Johns needs to get on uh, get to work on that. It is Jeff Johns that's responsible for yeah,
1: that. Yeah, th- the right? uh f- from my understanding based on what Johns and God, uh Fabok, yeah that they've shown a little bit here and there, I think they're fairly far into that book. Okay. I'll be
0: relieved to see the ending to that. I know it's just too much to have the answer to every time the Joker contradicts himself saying three Jokers. I like that he's insane issue, but consistently for a very long time now, the line the Joker gave out about whoever is beneath the cow is what the mask is. The real person is Batman, and I always liked that we kind of went with that, because yeah. it's not, you know, it's a, that sounds like some sort of insane logic the Joker would come up with, and it also covers a plot hole of why the Joker has never really looked too hard into who Batman is. Part two raised a couple of questions with me. Gotham is a state now? Has that been going on long? Well, it was like uh, outside. How is any part of Gotham City not GCPD jurisdiction? And they could have left that entire line out of uh, the second story. in I didn't didn't even catch that. I I did. And that was immediately what I thought is, are they treating Gotham as a state? I didn't. I mean, they are. That's what they're essentially saying in this. But Gotham has always been a city. Uh, GCPD how is any part of Gotham not under Gotham City Police Department jurisdiction? This story dealt with Psycho Pirate. What was your overall? What was your overall read?
1: Yeah, I like the. The sacral pirate things I liked. It's okay. I mean it's fine for what it was. You know what though? If I were a supervillain and going to set up a cult,
0: I'd be damned if I'd do it in Metropolis Coast City or Gotham. It'd be like Bumshrek, Idaho, or some place which doesn't have the resident superhero that has their own monthly title in it. I don't know why everybody keeps doing these things near these cities. I mean, come to Alabama, supervillains. Nobody's paying attention here. <laughs> <laughs> And the Riddler
1: story, did you did you solve the riddle, Albert? I didn't even bother trying to solve a riddle. I don't read no Batman comic to think. That's, <laughs> that's what good. Batman's there for.
0: That's good because Tom King's not writing a Batman comic for you to think. <laughs> the first thing I noticed in the Riddler story was that's not how they cut grass in football stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> shows a guy pushing a standard lawnmower. But, you know, to be fair, football may just be a sport in Gotham and not a religious cult like it is here. There's an actual riddle for you to solve in part three, the riddle story inside Batman's Secret Files 2. Albert, if you'll be kind enough to remind me at the very end of the podcast, I'll tell you the answer to the riddle. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to hear it and get it spoiled here. So at the very end of the podcast, right when we're saying goodnight or goodbye, I'll tell you the answer to the riddle if you want to hear. It. I'll try to remember. yeah, I'll try to remember too. So now, so now the question is, will we remember to give you the answer to the riddle? Part four was Hugo Strange. And this was this just looked like him putting people through the movie Saul that were wearing Batman
1: costumes. This and the Joker one was the the only two I actually liked. But yeah, it's pretty much Saul with people wearing Batman costumes.
0: Yeah, I'm not knocking it. It was interesting. It's dark, disturbing. But it was the typical Saul setting. It does make Hugo Strange seem even more deranged. So, mission accomplished there. The last story was another Bane story. And I hate Bane. I really do. I like Bane. I just don't think anyone knows how to write him. Bane in any continuity Bain has only had one line that I actually liked, and that was in the Dark Knight Rises movie where Tom Hardy As Bane is about to blow up the football stadium, but the kids on the field singing the national anthem. And for whatever reason, Tom Hardy says, that child has a beautiful singing voice. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought, I I, I mean, that just struck me. That was probably my favorite part of that entire movie. That just struck me as so weird, so out there. But I am am not a big Bane fan. I have not been since he showed up. He doesn't look like a Batman character to me. He does not look like he belongs in the Batman rogues gallery. He actually looks like he belongs in the Justice Society rogues gallery
1: to me. My issue was how they draw him. In the 90s, he was just a big dude. Now he's like, God, he's like the size of the horn.
0: He gets bigger every time you see him because of the venom, the steroids he pumps through his veins. Uh, overall, I, I do think Batman and his bad guys sometimes work best in these small doses because the Joker story was good. The Hugo Strange story was engaging, disturbing, but engaging. And the Riddler story wasn't bad. The book's entertaining, probably more so to long term Batman fans than newcomers. It doesn't really give us any new information and the only characters that you really do get insight on are and I have to admit this, you get a little more insight on Bane, but it's nothing old
1: timers like you and I haven't heard before. Yeah, I mean it's pretty much as we we got five Wednesdays. Yeah. And this is just something on the shelf to fill, to fill a spot.
0: Yeah, and a little more insight on Hugo Strange as well. But, yeah, again, they just do not cut grass like that in football stadiums. Black Panther, the ongoing Wakandan Empire saga.
1: I mostly read it for uh, Akuna's art. Yeah. I've been a fan of his for for very for years and years at this point. But beyond the art, I just don't care.
0: Well, I like Akuna's art. I did make a note about if you're going to design a spaceship for the love of God, do not use the saucer section of the Enterprise. I don't know why. Why are they
1: flying around the Enterprise?
0: Well, they do this, and it's not just it's not just Akuna on Black Panther. It seems like every other book is using something that looks similar to the Enterprise. I mean just make a of
1: shape. It ain't yeah. that
0: hard. If you're designing a spaceship, stay out of the Star Trek and Star Wars universe. Just if it if it has to look like a Ford Pinto, use the Ford Pinto because it gets cheesy when the Enterprise saucer section shows up with your take on it. I'm a firm believer in keeping Aurora Storm from the X-Men and T'Challa separated, it just lessens the popularity of one of the other when they're married or together like that. Believe it or not, kids, there was a time when the Black Panther was not the level he is right now so far as comic book sales and such were concerned. And this time was right around 2006, 2007 and before. And they tried different variations of the Black Panther in the 90s, he was a street-level hero protecting Hell's Kitchen while Daredevil was on vacation or something. In the early 2000s, they married him to Storm. Just to give a little bit of comic book history here, Storm was so popular at the time and before they married Black Panther and Storm, Storm from the X-Men was so popular that in the late 90s, there was a book called Marvel vs. DC. The votes of fans at comic book stores decided the fights between major characters, like Superman versus the Hulk, Superman won. I really expected, when they paired Storm against Wonder Woman, I really expected Wonder Woman to walk away with it, even though I was voting for Storm. Storm won, hands down, against Wonder Woman. And it wasn't really... All that close. Then they married her to the Black Panther, and that just seemed to diminish her character. Storm is not a character that needs a backseat to anybody, but neither is T'Challa. I don't think we necessarily have to keep putting Aurora and T'Challa together. Aside from that, what's your take on this overall galactic Wakandan saga?
1: lord i just don't care the way i like black panther whenever they called him black panther man without fear and he he swapped in with daredevil i like that stuff i really really love the old christopher priest run on marvel nights when it first started up on this scale i just they want him built up on like a tony stark level scale Mm -hmm. rather than him being like his own little thing i don't i don't know i just why has he gotta be in space
0: that's kind of my question, too. I remember Coates. Hey, let me ask you this before, I, before we continue on Black Panther. Are you reading Captain America currently? Yes. Okay, how do you feel about Captain America?
1: Was there an issue this week? No, no, there wasn't.
0: Uh, I'm fine with Cap. Cap's okay book. Yeah, Cap's a pretty good book. Well, the reason I ask is because Coates is writing both Black Panther and Captain America. And I recall when the Black Panther Blu-ray came out in the extended features or the special features, one of the things was they had a whole bunch of people sitting around having a conversation. These were all creators that had significantly contributed to the Black Panther, including Coates. It was both from the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie and the comic books. As they were talking when they came to Coates, and I'm paraphrasing here, Coates said something, and this is, again, this is when the Black Panther came out on Blu-ray a few years back before the intergalactic empire of Wakanda started. Coates made the statement that really struck me. I thought, wow. This guy really has his stuff together. He made the statement in the panel that the movie took Black Panther in directions and places that he hadn't really remotely entertained doing and that he felt as though he had to step up his game to it. And I kind of feel that his answer was galactic Wakanda. And this doesn't feel like where the character needs to be necessarily.
1: To me, you're right on that, but i look literally looking at it based on where T'Challa's location is. Yeah. Like, the Wakanda space thing, I'm fine with. T'Challa in outer, outer space like that, unless he's with some Avenger stuff, he should just be in Wakanda. Like, or Wakanda. Send somebody else. Do something different with, with the space thing without him. Like It just seems, with T'Challa being there in outer space, it seems like he's he's horribly out of, out of place.
0: It's not Syncing up correctly. You're, I, I think they're asking a little too much of us on this. Again, love coats on Captain America. Yeah. I want more of the Black Panther we got from the movie, and that's Wakanda centric. Wakanda's at his heart. At the whole heart of that story is Wakanda. Before we go on to the big one this week, did you read Red Hood number thirty six? I read the annual. I read number thirty six, uh, and I, I just want to real quick. How dumb is Jason Todd for revealing himself to the penguin? I understand they wrote him—they wrote around it by him shooting the penguin through the monocle, and it scrambled the penguin's brain, and he doesn't remember Jason Todd as the red hood. I'm going to say, I've said this a hundred times to you, and I'm saying it again. This is why I voted to kill Jason Todd when he was robbing in 1988. It was 50 cents a call, and I threw away $3 to make sure that Jason Todd died. Joke's on you. He didn't stay there. <laughs> Clearly. I want DC Comics. I want my $3 back.
1: Remember and, all those stupid 900 numbers you could call back then? They had like new kids on the block number you could call.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a whole Simpson episode that revolves around Lisa being addicted to dialing one 900 Corey, Call your favorite Corey. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, yeah, that's a joke that only people that were from ages 12 to... 25 in the 80s would get i complained about nightwing having red nightwing blue nightwing purple nightwing and apparently red hood has the same situation going someone called wingman just a whole little pantheon of pseudo bat characters that it just needs a culling they they need to get back to focus on a particular character
1: the annual was real good now i didn't read the annual the I annual just... covers Artemis and Bizarro where they've been. Okay. Well, you they, see, I'm okay. Because they, with... they got dumped to another universe, so it covers that. And that was, that was a real good issue.
0: Well, you see, I'm okay with them using like Artemis and Bizarro, their established character. Yeah, they just kind of worked with Jason and that. It just feels like every day we stray further from God. Yeah, it just. Feels like that sort of a situation. We're getting in too deep with a bunch of bat design characters that, honest to goodness, if there was an action figure market that still existed, I would swear we were just being created to sell action figures. Is there anything else, anything we've overlooked or haven't covered before we get to the big one? Nothing important. Nothing important. All right. Well, let's go to it. Albert, Powers of X.
1: Yeah. Powers of X. What can be said? (laughs) About the stupidity of the X-Men that could not be said before. Okay, Powers of X-Men number one, it covers a lot. Like, it's not, it does not pick up where House of X one lets off. This sort of covers, like, here's a quick recap of the X-Men over the next thousand years. Here's all these little file things in the issue that explains everything. So the X-Men, over the course of a thousand years, are still a bunch of idiots. <laughs> uh, even though apparently it all works out in the end for some reason. The second it says, well... You read it, it goes, "Oh, they let Mr. Sinister create new mutants. Wow, that's that what a bunch of idiots His whole stick is that he's going to turn on the X-Men like why even trust him?" And there's also the issue that the mutants keep wanting to create it. For some reason, they think no matter how many times they create an ethnostate, like it's just going to go wrong. Joseph Klosky posted on our Facebook page
0: about the line from the Bumblebee movie, the Transformers Bumblebee movie, where, what's the wrestler's name? John Cena. John Cena, where John Cena says to the rest of the military at one time, why are we trusting these guys? They're calling themselves Decepticons. And Joseph is right about that. I mean, this guy calls himself Sinister, but Sinister's not actually in the comic book. It's just all of the postscripts, the notes of their history that Sinister spoke of in. Yeah, And I, I think that was a great way to do that. I think that was a great way to have Sinister in the book without drawing Sinister into the book, because quite honestly, Sinister is kind of a turnoff when I see him. Other than that, I, I thought the powers of X was very surreal, very awesome. Pools from X history, it just draws you in even more. Great art, I love seeing that design back with
1: Nimrod. I, yeah, I I've always loved. liked that Nimrod designs. That that yeah. old, you know, John, sort of the.
0: It's the John Ramita Junior design. And
1: yeah, that. And so them doing a modified version of it, I'm, I'm completely fine with. I, I never liked Nimrod when he had a human, like a standard human form. When Nimrod first showed up, he could basically project a hologram around him that looked
0: human, but he didn't have a human form. I like that the Sentinels are robots. I like the promise and the setup of the entire thing. It still doesn't necessarily answer any questions. I do have a question put forth to you. The girl that is sitting on the bench next to Xavier, who is she? What significance is she? Do
1: you have any I don't idea? know. the only thing I can think of, unless it's uh, no My- Myra McTaggart or something like Maura? that. Yeah, yeah I, th- I thought it might have been Mora, uh, too, but I'm. But, I mean, I'm not how many sure. generic brown-haired white women are there in mutants? Forty of them.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that that's clear. But whatever's going on, if that is Charles Xavier's mind, he's clearly pulling some of the images of the X Men from the future into a past setting. We may be watching two lines of development here. We may be watching what's actually going on and that something else is going on inside the head of Charles Xavier.
1: They're going back and saying we're working on a 10-year timeline here.
0: Okay, I made a note of that. This is nothing new to regular comic book fans. First, how do you feel about that? Hickman basically says that Xavier formed the first X-Men 10 years from the point we're currently at today in X-Men comics.
1: My issue with that is that it makes that generation, Scott, Gene, Beast, yeah. and Ismith it just makes them way too young if it only works on a 10-year scale.
0: I can understand that. I can see that. But basically, you used to, and you still do, kind of chuckle at me when I start discussing what we termed as abaft time. And that's basically that wherever you are right now reading comic books, like if you're reading Amazing Spider-Man, then roughly Peter was... 15 years old roughly 10 years ago when Amazing Spider-Man or Amazing Fantasy number 15 occurred. As you move forward, all the significant parts like the death of Gwen Stacy and all, a lot of those things remain in their timeline. You've got to look at it that the characters never age. They roughly stay in the same position and it's their past that is static. Superman first appeared to the general public in his costume 12 years ago. Uh, Not current DC continuity because it's all messed up, but generally speaking. And Batman first appeared 11 years ago to the general public in these timelines. And that's where what a bath time is, is it's just stating that the characters, while they move forward in time, their history remains a static decade or so in the past and moves along with them. Also, you could look at it like you're looking through windows. For instance, if you're watching from the moment the Fantastic Four get their powers to the moment Sue and Reed get married, then you're looking through the window of Stan and Jack's run on Fantastic Four. But then you move from that pivotal point of their marriage and you look through another window where instead of Ben Grimm and Reed Richards both having served in World War II together... It turns out they served in Korea together, or today, Ben Grimm was a pilot in Afghanistan, that sort of thing. Now, go ahead and rip that apart.
1: (laughs) See, my issue is saying, like, if everything happened in 10 years, or, you know, like, technically less than that, if... If 10 years ago, Charles hadn't even found the kids yet, did they get a new island nation every like six months? That's... Like how many times? My guess would be There's too much. You have to shove too much in that 10 years to where like every other month, some huge catastrophic event happened with these people. Over the last 10 years, how many times has the mutant population been reduced down to just dozens? At some and, point in time like that 10 year is fine to an extent until too much has to happen inside 10 years I didn't say it was a perfect theory <laughs> I'm just saying man <laughs>
0: Anything else you want to add?
1: Not terribly much. But yeah, Powers of X, I mean, it really gives you a a shotgun history layout layout of the next thousand years of X-Men history.
0: Yeah, and you can see the pivot points where it's going to play directly into House of M as well. Yeah, I know
1: when you scroll, not scroll, my bad, when you get to like the (laughs) last page. Albert did not say scroll, Albert meant turn the page. When you when you get to the last page of, we get toward the end of it. It seems next week's issue of House of X two is highlighted red. So it seems like that's going to be a fairly big issue as far as something something happening.
0: These books are not mutually exclusive. If you're reading one, I would strongly suggest
1: you read the other, wouldn't you? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's required to read them. If there's no point in reading one, you have to read them both.
0: Yeah, even though Powers of X seems to be predominantly set in the future at different points, I can see where it's going to directly tie in. Okay, we got a couple of questions here from listeners. The first one is from Jason G., And Jason G is asking, given the events in Endgame, do you see a future for Hawkeye, Wasp, Ant-Man, these other ancillary characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
1: I mean, yeah, that's all they (laughs) got.
0: Well, I think Jason seeing the release or I I think what's influencing that question is the San Diego Comic-Con release of their lineup with the Eternals and uh, Doctor Strange and Shang-Chi, which the general public have not really heard about until now. I would say, yes, you're going to see Wanda and Vision and uh, Sam the Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki and Hawkeye in Marvel programs airing on d i started to say d23 but it's actually on disney plus which starts up in november so you haven't gotten rid of these characters i bet you money you're going to get an ant-man 3 so you will be seeing these characters again they're not going away anywhere i believe paul rudd has at least a couple more movies under his contract so you don't have to worry about your favorites they they should stay in place at least for the time being. There's money to be had. They're not going to give that up. All right, Albert. Another question is from a Mr. Bryant, and he's curious if we've thought about doing a Stranger Things episode focusing on Stranger Things Season 3. Have you thought about
1: Yeah, we can do something like that.
0: So basically, yeah, we have thought about doing Stranger Things 3, and we've even talked with Ali Marceau, who's going to get with us sometime this week and discuss predictions, her predictions, and other predictions for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, joining us on Stranger Things 3. And we've also talked about doing The Boys, but The Boys will be a little bit down the line. The Boys being the Garth Ennis comic book to Amazon Prime series. And we've got another question. This one is from Mitchell, and it's... Hey, guys, loving the podcast. Thank you, Mitchell. I'm wondering if you guys are as tired of Batman Who Laughs as I am. I thought it was a novel idea for Dark Knight's Metal, but he's overstayed his welcome in my mind. Anyway,
1: I just wanted to see what y'all thought. Albert, Here's my thought on that. Issue 7 came out this week that ended it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of Issue 7, it sets up for Batman Superman number 1. It made me feel like I wasted my time reading that book. (laughs) Like, I just... (laughs) Like getting, In other like words, it was just like, Hey, well, here's your story, it's done, but don't forget to read Batman and Superman. It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> In other words,
0: yeah. I mean uh, all,
1: all all the the Batman Who Laughs is just a rip off from Judge Death from from Judge Dread and like well, we got other characters.
0: <laughs> In other words, you paid for a seven issue advertisement for Superman, Batman number one reboot. Yeah. So Again, I thought he worked fine for metal. I'm with Mitchell on that. I I was tired of him before issue number two hit. I was tired of him before issue number one hit. I don't like trying to bring every bit of revenue into the mainstream universe, the main canon, or the main storytelling points. I would have preferred he stay as a what-if alternate reality thing. All right, one last question, and then we'll wrap things up here. Okay, this is a real simple, kind of fun question. Jennifer asks... Who is your all-time favorite comic book superhero or comic book
1: character, Superman. Albert? Superman? Why is that? Because he's Superman. That's why.
0: Well, she asks, and why. So, I oh, just thought...
1: Okay. I, I, <laughs> I guess all the other characters suck, pretty much. <laughs> that's what I was doing.
0: So, you're basically just reading all these other comics to fill time in between Superman issues? That's is what you got. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with this. The character that pulled me into comic book collecting is Wolverine. And when I say that, I mean consistent comic book collecting. The first comic book I read that I had to find the next issue and the next issue and the next issue of was X-Men 141, and my favorite character was Wolverine. Now, having grown and continued, Wolverine will always hold a special place in my heart. But my all-time favorite comic book character is Victor Von Doom. And the reason that is, is because he's right about everything at all times
1: about everything
0: at all times there we go all right well this was another episode of kingdom cast no
1: you got to tell me that stupid riddle thing
0: oh i've got to tell you the stupid riddle thing we almost got out of here basically and i'm not going to tell you how to solve it this is just the straightforward answer on the batman secret files number two the riddler story it has a riddle in it for you to solve the answer is you can't play alone you can't play alone. Not going to tell you how to solve it, but once you know the answer, it should be fairly simple from there. So there you go. Anything else I forgot? No, I can't think of nothing. Okay. All right. Well, this has been another Kingdom Casts podcast. We appreciate your listening. If you've got any questions, have any comments? Just want to say hi, email us at KingdomCasts, that's Kingdom, C-A-S-T-S, at gmail.com. Or just follow us as Kingdom Comics on Facebook for upcoming announcements and other situations concerning the kingdom. And we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. Please, if you enjoy us, give us five stars. That really does help us. Albert, you have anything to
1: add? I'm good to go. i good to go. All right. Well, we'll see you soon. And again, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Y'all have a good night.